when I was in the middle of high school, my family moved from Louisville, Kentucky, and down to a small town in West Tennessee. And one of the big changes uh, was my friend base was simply the music that they listened to. And pretty quickly, we, my brothers and I figured out uh, that we were going to have to know something about music coming out of Nashville, country music, if we were going to be in the mix with this new crowd of people we lived with. And it's amazing how some of those songs from over 20 years ago stick in, stick in your mind. And for me, that just happened recently, is that I was listening to uh, a, a song on the radio or somewhere we were in a store and this song came up and I realized I know almost every word to this song that I haven't heard in a decade. And the song goes something like this. Just the other night at a hometown football game, my wife and I ran into my old high school flame. And as I introduced them, the past came back to me and I couldn't help but think about the way things used to be. She was the one I wanted for all time. Each night I'd spend praying that God would make her mine. And if he'd only grant me the wish I wished back then, I wouldn't ask for anything again. But sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayer. Now that Garth Brooks song is certainly not a theological exposition on prayer, but I do think it's indicative sometimes of my prayer life and many of the prayer lives of people I know. And that is this, is that we see something that we want and then we turn to God and say, God, give me that, please. Can I have that? And that is essentially our prayer life. And if he doesn't give it to us, then we get discouraged and we don't do it again. Or maybe we continue to ask for a little while and then we go, okay, that must not be God's will for my life. And in some way that captures the prayer life of many people. Uh, this morning, that's what we're going to be talking about. The last few weeks, we spent some time talking about heaven as a key uh, theological and rooted place to live life. Last week, we looked at the scriptures and the role of the scriptures in Christian life. And today, we're going to be looking at, at prayer. And when you come to the topic of prayer, uh, there's lots of baggage that people have. So some people grew up in homes that never prayed at all. They only saw someone on TV praying for, if you send me money, then I, I will pray for you and there'd be healing or something like that. Some people... When they think of prayer, they think of not really prayer to a personal deity, but maybe they grew up in the Eastern world and had a, an influence of an impersonal God in which they might connect to at some level. It's more of meditation than actually prayer. It's just thinking. Um, or so, Some of you grew up in traditions where when you think of prayer, you think of prayer beads and you think of sign of the cross and you think of certain words or, or phrases uh, that you are supposed to say or to repeat. And, and everyone has their own story when it comes to prayer. And most people have a low-lying guilt somewhere that they're not doing it right or they're not doing enough of it or that there is a dimension or a world in which they are not necessarily entering into. Uh, one of the classic prayers that I always think about is at Christmas time when the Griswold family uh, movies come on is that the family all gets together and everyone's at the table and Clark's about to cut into this prize turkey that he's been working on and he asks... Um, Aunt Bethany, who's celebrating her 80th Christmas to say grace. And once she realizes that uh, they're not talking about grace who died 50 years ago, they mean the blessing, everybody bows their head and they begin to pray and the music calms down and she prays this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. It's just a great scene. Cousin Eddie stands up, right? And what happens in there, and the reason that's funny, of course it's sacrilegious, but the reason that it's funny is that we all know that sometimes when we get to prayer, we just double click on some file in our head and it's this, it's this routine and it just sort of comes out of us. It's not anything we're actually doing as humans to interact with God or make it personal. It's just words that we are repeating uh, together. And what I want to say is that 
there is, there is so much more to prayer. And I hope that today that you'll have a chance um, to see some of those things. And specifically what we're going to do is look at a prayer by the Apostle Paul for the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. I want to begin reading in verse uh, 15 for us. And before I do there, uh, before I do that, prayer is um, at the highest level, prayer is just a relational way to communicate uh, to and with God, to be with God. That's what it is. And so we'll see an example of Paul doing that, writing out his prayer for the church. So Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 15, I'll begin reading for us. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks and remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. Now that prayer is, is certainly intimidating. And in some ways you go, I'm not even sure what that means, much less how would I ever pray a prayer uh, like that. And so I, I want us to spend a little bit of time looking at it. And I think you can describe this or, or look at this prayer that Paul prays uh, by looking at different dimensions that he shows us about prayer and what that is. And so the three dimensions are pretty straightforward. Um, first, we see that it's a downward and upward prayer. And then we see that it's an inward and outward prayer. And then finally, it's a prayer that moves us forward and also moves us backward. So that's the way we want to organize um, our time together. So the first dimension, downward and upward. In verse 15, he begins by saying that, uh, for this reason, I'm coming to the Father. And for this reason is talking about these verses, these 14 verses that come before. And really, it is a way of saying God has acted in the world. And because God has acted in the world, I am going to respond, which is just another way of saying all prayer is initiated by God. He started the conversation, and it is, it is coming our direction. Prayer is in some ways simply a response to who God is and what he has done. That's what Paul is doing here. He's just, he's really responding to God. And that's really the nature of all language. That's the nature of all communication. If you think about it, the, uh, when, a child, when a child learns to speak, what do they do? They say the words mommy and daddy. They say, they repeat back words that are spoken to them. They're just, they're really just responding to someone who is um, talking to them. Eugene Peterson, he says it uh, this way when he's talking, describing children and how they learn. He says that language is spoken into us. We, weren't, we learn language only when we are spoken to. All speech is answering speech. And then he continues to go on. He's describing this and how this works with prayer. And he says that the overwhelming previousness of God's speech to our prayers. In other words, prayer is a, is a response to who God is and what is that he's doing. So for us, I just want to say uh, that one of the ways to start a prayer life, if you don't know what to do, where to start, what exactly to say, Certainly just say whatever it is that you want and, and begin communicating with God. That's a first step. Uh, God will meet you wherever you are. But also, if you're looking to figure out to take a next step, 
do what we see here, and that is to respond to God by looking at his word, by looking at who he is. Praying through the scriptures is one of the ways that we can respond to God. He has spoken to us, and then we take the words, look at the scriptures, and then we respond back to who he is. In this case, if you're looking at these scriptures, you see that, um, that what Paul is doing is he's saying there's a, there's a conversation that's happening between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's a conversation happening, and you get to join and be a part of that eternal conversation that's already there. If you want to look more at this, John chapter 17 gives an example of how Jesus is praying this for you as someone who is listening and hearing his words, that you can actually be a part of a conversation like that. So first, just pray the scriptures. It's one of the things that we can learn to do. It's a response downward. Secondly, upward, going back to God, climbing, kind of climbing back up the ladder, Paul here says that he is responding with thankfulness. He, he's really thankful to God for the faith and the love that these people are exhibiting. It's a community of people that are in this, in this Roman town in Ephesus at the time. And when they're there, uh, they're people that lived underneath all the Roman culture and values. That's what they cared about. That's how their hearts were ordered and loved. That's what, that's what they thought about. They lived as Romans. And all of a sudden, because the message of this new king, this King Jesus and what he has done and his resurrection come to them, they're people filled with faith. And now they begin loving each other and treating each other differently. And this little community is formed inside of this town of Ephesus. And Paul's writing back saying, I'm so thankful that you exist. I'm so thankful that there is love and that there's faith that still exists. He was there with them. He's been gone for several years and now he's writing back. And so I think thankfulness is a key part of prayer. Thankfulness is one of those things that has the power to change our perspective on life. It, it, it's one of those things that can fight criticism and can, can fight, and can fight complaining or victimization or whatever else it is where you feel like you have no agency so you only want to talk about the negative things, the things that are gone. And certainly all of us in recent times have, have been a part of that. Right? You've been on a book club meeting or a uh, Zoom meeting or you've been on some sort of virtual coffee break or happy hour where who can one-up each other with what's more negative and, what, and what's gone and how you can complain more. And if you insert some thankfulness into that, it oftentimes can just absolutely flip the entire situation that's there. Now, before you think I'm being too callous, let me just qualify this. Uh, there are, there's real loss that's happened right now. I'm aware of that. There is, I'm not just saying grit it up, be grateful for what you have. There are things, things like losing your senior year of sports or watching your kid's wedding get canceled or uh, things that are impacted by your job. I mean, th these are real aspects of grief and loss. And God wants us to take those things, that grief, that loss. He wants us to climb the ladder upward toward him with that as well. It's, it's a different aspect than we see in the prayer, but that is a real legitimate thing. What we see here is we see that prayer is characterized by thankfulness. So I encourage you to move into prayer with thankfulness. This is something you can do really easily. Write a list down of things that you're thankful for. When you go on a walk this afternoon or later this week, take your dog. Use your eyes to look around you. So we're doing this with our kids and just saying everything that you see, say thanks to God for what that is. So trees and fire hydrants and tennis nets and fences and flowers and whatever it is that they see, they're just saying thank you, God, for this very basic thing. And it's amazing how investing in thankfulness in prayer is something that changes the world and the way we see it. It's also amazing how it has power to sort of turn off the faucet of criticism. And it's amazing how it has power to take our hands clenched on things that we feel like we're losing and to turn our hands open and upward and be grateful for what it is that God has placed in our life. And so thanks, thankfulness in this prayer is, is certainly powerful and it's a response upward to God for what he's done. 
The next dimension I want us to look at here is how prayer moves inward and then it moves outward. So first, how does it move inward? He prays, Paul's prayer is that they'd be strengthened by knowledge of who God is. Later on, he uses the phrase strengthen in their inner being in chapter 3, verse 16. Similar prayer that's going here. In other words, prayer changes who we are on the inside. And a lot of people are talking about this right now. So this is, this is something that is very common to be discussing at this time, whether that's business or whatever else that is. If you're, if you're watching uh, the Bulls series and uh, you're reminded that Phil Jackson was this sort of Zen Buddhist type teacher who was practicing meditation with the team and whatever else is recently. And, and these practices, whether it's your yoga instructor, whether it's your mindfulness app, whether it's your business meeting that pauses to think about things before, to stop and think about what's happening inward. This is something that's prayer, but those things are very different than what Paul is saying here. What what Paul is saying is actually inward. You need to be filled up, not drained out. He's saying, I want you to be filled up with the wisdom of God. I want you to, your eyes to be enlightened, not to stop looking at the world around you, but to look at the world around you the way that God is actually seeing. And how is that possible? And he says prayer, his prayer for them is that their inner lives Uh, would change. One writer says it this way, to find out who we are, he says this, prayer is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. It's also the main way that we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves. What's happening inside us can actually be changed and transformed. The things we desire uh, can be reordered by times of prayer. I know in the last few months for me, um, one of the things that was true for a streak of several days, uh, maybe, even, maybe even longer than that, is that I was reading everything there was to read in the news. I had eight browsers open. I was comparing notes in between different channels and media outlets and, and trying to see what was going to happen. As financial markets looked like a mechanical bull and as uh, scientists were modeling all these different things and the government was uh, blaring different um, messages constantly, I, w- I was reading all this to try to figure out what in the world was happening and what was happening in the moment. And in the middle of that, things were coming out of me, sort of leaking out of me that I didn't want. I was saying things I didn't necessarily want to say or saying them a way I didn't want to say it. And I was finding that that was common with other people as well. When stress and anxiety are on the rise, we say things we don't necessarily mean. And for me, it was a checkpoint to just ask, have I spent time with God in the middle of this? Have I related to, have I communicated with God? And there's something called the prayer of examine, which is this tool that allows you to just review your day and to ask in what places in my day am I moving towards God? What places in my day are moving away from God? And and a tool like that allows me to say, oh my goodness, for an extended period of time, there was no connection with God or no reading the world events through who God was. And that examine allowed me to move towards something the Christian church has called confession, which is to say, wow, (laughs) <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really doing this. I'm not, I'm not engaging in, in the world the way that God wanted me to. And a prayer like that allowed me and my heart to reorder the loves that were there. And, and that's something that prayer does. It allows us actually to change what we care about uh, the most. It allows us to, to break through the busyness and to break through the overcommitment by pausing and by stopping and by considering who God is and what he is saying that's true about us. That's what's happening inward, but then that's not just inward, and that's not part of his prayer, but it also is moving outward. Prayer is moving us out back into the world. Paul is actually not praying for himself here. He's praying for others. So you can tell that, that his prayer has moved him to, um, a, to desire 
this, this knowledge of God, this life with God, this understanding who God is, not just about him, but actually knowing him personally, he's desiring that for other people. So the prayer is moving him outward. Um, C.S. Lewis has an essay that it's called Work and Prayer, a little three or four page essay that has an interesting insight on the way that prayer does this and moves us into the world. This is what he says. God instituted prayer in order to allow his creatures the dignity of causality. Now he's quoting Pascal there. And then he says, it would perhaps be truer to say that he invented both prayer and physical action for that purpose. In other words, he gave us small creatures the dignity of being able to contribute to the course of events in two different ways, through work and through prayer. That when God dropped humans on the world that he made, he said, you can change the world. There's two ways you can do it. One of them is through working, physical action in the world, and the other one is through prayer. And you would think that out of the two modes of causality, two ways to change the world, that certainly work is the more powerful of the two. But Lewis goes on to argue, he says, "Ah, work is limited by both time and space. You have to work now and you have to work here. But prayer is not limited by either. And so therefore it is the stronger of the two tools in which God has given to humans to change the world. So prayer moves us outward. And, and, and this can be exciting stuff. This week alone, um, one of our partners uh, across the globe, um, she was on the phone with someone who was asking for help and it was a need that ministry could not meet. And as she was on the phone, the mail was delivered to her and there was in the mail, there was a check that she had been praying for God to in some way show up and provide for the needs that they had. And a check came from Christ Church to provide for that sp- specific need in that moment. And you see that, that um, God answered and acted in the world through prayer and by mobilizing Christians around the world. This is the exciting stuff. If you want to take a step in this direction, join the Tuesday night prayer team. Join the group of people who are coming together to seek God, to see God move in the world this way. Every Tuesday night, our prayer team is together on a Zoom call. You can find out information about that online as well. So prayer is moving us inward. We can do the prayer of examine. It's moving us outward. Pray with other Christians. It's a great thing. And then finally, prayer is moving us forward and moving us backward. That's the third dimension I want to look at. Here, his prayer is that they would know the hope of the calling that they've received. So he's moving toward hope. And then he uses the language of inheritance, another future-oriented language, and that they would experience the immeasurable power of God in this future place. So that somehow prayer is, is taking us into the future. Oftentimes, the current circumstances of our life are the things which dominate and determine who we think we are and what's going to be happening in the world. But prayer is this gift of God that allows us, when the tunnel closes at the end, it allows us to, it breaks through the tunnel and light comes in on the other side. There's something future-oriented about this gift of prayer that allows people to enter into a reality that isn't yet. To live in a hope, is what he says here. A hope that is a conviction that my present circumstances don't determine the meaning of my life. That the current state of my marriage is not the end of the story. That the addiction and the spiral that I find myself in at this moment isn't necessarily the story God's finished writing about me. That the challenge I'm having right now in my business or in my job or in a relationship or my health issues, whatever is true right now, doesn't mean it's true in the future. And prayer is one of those things that meets us now but carries us forward. Prayer is this amazing gift that God gives us to do that. This Thursday is going to be a national day of prayer in Christ Church. It's a day of prayer for us. You heard Anson mention this earlier in the service. And we're calling people. There, there are times when it's important for an entire church to stop and to just say, 
We want to intentionally dedicate time to cry out to God on behalf of the world, to see God move in the world, and to be a part of what he's doing. And so this Thursday, I encourage you to go to ChristChurchIL.org slash prayer and to register for one of those times. If you can pray for five minutes, ten minutes, pray for the whole hour, there'll be a guide that's provided for you in that. But that time of prayer and joining uh, people all across the world to be a part of this is a way that you can direct yourself forward in prayer and that God can fill you with hope the same way Paul prays that this church would be filled with hope. So lastly is backwards. So we've gone downward, a response to God, back up the ladder, respond with thanksgiving. We've gone inward, we see how we can be changed by prayer. It's part of the dimension that prayer does. And then it moves us outward to change the world. And then here uh, we see that prayer calls us forward. And you would actually think, I would have thought, that this is where it ends. I mean, what happens after hope? Well, what's on the other side of that? Why, why does the prayer not end there? But the prayer ends by going backwards. The prayer ends here, he says, by uh, pointing to uh, this power of the resurrection of Jesus. I mentioned earlier that, um, uh, that most of us live with an underlying guilt, right, about prayer. It's we don't pray enough. We don't know how to do it. Um, we're, we're not doing it the right way or, or we, should be, we should be praying more differently. That, that's just very true. Many of us, when we think about prayer, it's more characterized by unbelief. Like, is, is, this, really, is this really making a difference in the world? How, to, how do you know? How do you measure it? What, what's the metric that could tell me whether this is, this is actually something that, that um, God is in or not in or whether humans have just created this? Uh, th- these are the types of things that, um, that are part of it. Maybe you've started to pray. You've got five journals that have four days of I'm going to try to pray. And over the years, you've just given up because somehow there's not enough motivation or change or doesn't seem real to you, that's so common. So if that's you, you're in the same place as lots and lots of of people. So how is it that you break through any number of those things? What is it that could actually be powerful enough to use Paul's term? What, what um, What could be real enough? What could you experience that would drive you through that and allow you to experience each dimension of this good gift that God has given us to relate to him, to be with him, this gift of prayer? Well, um, for Paul, it is uh, moving backwards to something else. That he moves backward to this act in history, this moment in Jesus' life uh, when, he is, um, when he is killed on a cross and when he overcomes death. And the night before the crucifixion, this is what happens. Jesus is in a garden and he's praying. This, it's a very intense moment of prayer that is recorded uh, in the Gospels. And what Jesus is doing is he's asking the Father, will you... Remove this cup. That's the phrase. In other words, is there another way that, that humans and God, is there another way that creation can be reconciled, can be made right with God? Is, is there another way that that can happen? And, and Jesus is saying, please take this cup from me and not my will, but yours be done, ultimately, Father, that's there. And we can be confident that God hears us pray. We, we can um, we can move forward in prayer in faith towards all these things we've talked about. And the reason that we can do that is this, is that we know God will answer us when we call. Because one terrible day, he did not answer Jesus when he called. Jesus' prayers were given the rejection that we sinners merit so that our prayers could have the reception that he merits. Let me say that again. Jesus' prayers were not answered that night. We know it was answered, not that the cup would be taken from him, but it was answered in that God's will would be done. And it says this, we know God will answer us when we call because one terrible day he did not answer Jesus when he called. 
Jesus' prayers were given the rejection that we sinners merit so that our prayers could have the reception that he merits. It's not about saying the right words. It's not about having a magic formula. It's not about moving through a certain uh, mantra or set of things. It is calling out to God in honesty. Uh, God, are you there? (laughs) If so, will you have mercy on me? If so, will you hear me? If so, will you meet me where I am right now? If so, will you give me the resources that I'm longing for? God, where are you in this? And God invites us to be with him, to pour out our hearts to him. And we can know that he hears us and that he acts because he has acted in history. The final sort of uh, response or application of this is actually to participate in this event that he has given us of prayer um, by coming together around the communion table. And this is a meal that um, God instituted, you mentioned earlier in the service, um, to have a a cup of fruit of the vine with you somewhere and some bread because we were going to be doing this uh, together. And on the night that Jesus um, was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after that, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. And then we read in 1 Corinthians um, that it says, as long as you do this, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until it is that he returns. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we want to know how to relate to you. Uh, We want to know how to navigate our lives. We want to be people who are um, living in uh, the world knowing that you're the king of it um, and that we can operate as your citizens, as your ambassadors inside of the world. And we want to know how to pray. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to experience different dimensions of prayer, uh, that we would learn how to pray your scriptures, uh, that we might learn how to examine our own hearts, that we might pray and see you act mightily inside of the world, that we would join others um, alongside linking arms, um, that you would fill our hearts with thanksgiving, that you, would, that you would form and shape us into the kind of people that you want us uh, to be. We thank you today for the gift of prayer. God, I pray uh, for those in this church who are strong prayer warriors and continue to encourage them. Uh, for those of us who are just trying to figure it out and say the right words, God, help us, give us resources, help us know what steps to take. Um, and ultimately, God, I pray that uh, in the midst of our prayers, you would take us backwards to this event in history that you would take us to the meaningful, the powerful, uh, the mighty act of your good news that Christ stepped in and took our place so that we might find life. He overcame death and promised us life. I pray that our prayers uh, would help us to experience that and to know you in the midst of that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.